Welcome to the Truth of the Matter Is podcast. I am your host, Daniel, alongside Jonathan. We are back for episode number 96. Speaking on behalf of myself and Jonathan, we appreciate everyone for listening in today. Before we begin, let's give a round of applause to all who have decided to join us today. We thank you and hope that you continue to press play at your own convenience. So, Daniel, how's it going? How's your week been? It's been a very, very relaxed week for the most part. A lot of working, but, but you know, nothing too much out, outside of that. What about you? It's been pretty good, just reflecting and thinking about what the next moves are moving forward and making that's sure it. that... That's it. Yeah, just optimizing the opportunities that I have or the see or the seeable future opportunities and trying to make sure that I'm aligned with trying to improve myself in whatever way that I can. You know, it's funny that you mentioned about improving yourself because you improved to a new age this week. And I love how you were just going to try to gloss over that like it wasn't a big week for you, especially since it was just yesterday. So to you, I said it yesterday, of course, and of course, I'll have something for you when you come in today. But happy birthday again, Jonathan. And how does it feel to be 29? You know, first, I want to say thank you so much. And, you know, I've never been huge on birthdays. You know, I know it's you're getting older. However, I guess for me, it's always felt, you know, that the things that I am trying to accomplish and where I want to be in life, I haven't been there yet, or I haven't actually gotten yet. So a lot of the things that I would be content with, those are like where my focus is. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I wish that I had a better answer, but for the most part, that's kind of what I'm trying to focus on. Actually. Another thing is that I'm trying to focus on being more holy. You know that holy in a sense from a biblical standpoint what it has to do with knowing the, the distinction between a believer and an unbeliever is to be set apart. But there's also a definition of holiness which means to elevate yourself, to stand above. So we know that at one point we were dust of the earth and then God breathed in us the breath of life. So he wants us to elevate from where we once came from. And he wants us to stand above what we once meant or what we once were thought of as. So therefore, because of that, you know, the whole goal is is to be a much more sound individual, a much more intentional person. Therefore, it requires you to morally improve the way you think, the way you act, your actions, your motives, your attitude, your thoughts. And for me, it's just reading God's word. Try to make sure I'm getting more and more of God's word in there because of that. That's how I can improve, be a better follower of Christ and a better representation of Christ. So that's kind of where I'm at. Always making sure I'm reading scripture. Always trying to see things through a better, more deep and profound lens. And, of course, wanting to be a critical thinker. Because, as you know, I'm on 
been going on several podcasts and I'm also been having conversations with quite a few people and it's important that you're prepared for those sort of dialogues. You never know when you'll be called to step into a larger arena. So you want to make sure that you're well-versed and educated enough that you can represent God in a very profound and intentional way. I guess that's what it feels like to be 29 then. Guess so, right? You're trying to just be better. You're trying to do better. And yeah, I'm one age away for the big three zero. Hey, you're almost out of your 20s. Yeah, man. You're an old man things, now. <laughs> things go fast. You know, that's why I'm I'm staying on top of the cardio. You got you to gotta stay on top of the cardio because as you get older, you get lazy. I don't think I've lost energy. I do think that there's a lower tolerance for certain things. I don't know. Still still figuring it out. I've only had one day, which was yesterday, to kind of reflect, but I'm pretty sure there's much more that I can I could learn from if I took more time out. And I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. I'll do that in some quiet time. You're one year away from saying, hey, you're going to pass me the rock. <laughs> no, that's not the 30s. I think you're speaking more to the 40s, 50s. The 30s is what I think they consider the prime years. So you move out of your teen into your young adult, and the 30s is where things start to become interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, you're going to head to the age point where uh, everything just starts working out. So. Let's um speaking of things working out, let's let's get right with the Lord and start prayer today. Yes, absolutely. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for everything that you have done and everything that you continue to do, Lord. As we go into your word today, I ask that you provide clarity and wisdom to what we need to know. And the value of walking down certain paths, dealing with various challenges. To some, it may seem unnecessary. It may appear to be a waste of time. But Lord, I believe there's a method to your madness. And therefore, we need to not fear, but instead have faith in you. No matter what it looks like, no matter how it may seem, you have told us that you would never leave us nor forsake us. So Lord, I pray that those who are listening will see the value and gain understanding from the different stages and levels of life. Lord, we say these things. Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, today we are continuing and actually finishing with the Sermon on the Mount, specifically the Beatitudes and the Gospel of Matthew. This will be part eight and this will be the final. So for those who have taken the time out to listen to myself and Daniel, we thank you and we are very much appreciated. You know, we're appreciating time that you have set aside to make us a priority in some portion of the day. If you have any questions, again, you're welcome to email me at speed, S-P-E-E-D, E-D at the end of that, so speed it, 83 at gmail.com, or reach out to us on Instagram, which is the truth of T-M-I-S, again, it's the truth of T-M-I-S, all together. So, Let's get started. So we're going to start with Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. And we're going to look at this in the English Standard Version. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when others revival you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So verse 10 here is actually very simple. It's something we've also spoken a lot of. So I didn't feel the need for it to be a separate episode. In fact, I thought verse 11 and 12, to be honest, has some similarity to verse 10. Therefore, I figured let's unpack it all together, right? Let's begin this. I'm going to say this statement. Many Christians, right, in the West are not aware of the state of Christianity and the persecution around the world. Interesting enough, when I have brought it up in some of my conversations with others, there are some that are surprised to know that believers are being insulted, isolated, humiliated, discriminated, arrested, and beaten, tortured, burned, or killed for their faith. Shameless plug. It was episode five on the truth of the matter is which actually feels like such a long time ago, we spoke about faith and how it is a reasoned trust, not a blind trust in God. But the word of God is a reasoned testimonial trust in the character and person of God. And I brought up a man named Jonas Yoder versus the state of Wisconsin, which is a Supreme Court case that can be found in historical records. If you're interested in the details, look it up. And it happened to be in the year of 1972, okay? And it brought to light this perception that I had in regards to preference versus conviction. And I'll go over this again if this is your first time hearing this. So preference is something that can change based upon new information doesn't stay stagnant, is always evolving. Conviction is something you believe wholeheartedly, no matter what. So understand something. When your faith is tested, and you're being insulted, isolated, humiliated, discriminated, arrested, beaten, tortured, burned, or killed, the question becomes, will you declare your belief as a preference, or are you going to declare it as a conviction? In the United States, we thank God because our beliefs are protected. You know that the truth of the matter is podcast believes that we have a relationship, not religion. That we have a relationship, not religion. However, there are those who have religious obligations based upon culture. And in the United States, that allows them to have freedom of religion here. However, in third world countries, unfortunately, that is not honored. When it came to the first Christians, that also was not respected and honored either. And we've also covered that as well in terms of what happened during the time of Nero once Jesus passed and came into Jerusalem. Everything in there was destroyed and Jews were murdered, right? But Let's touch on that a little bit more. Let's go to the word that speaks on the importance and understanding from a believer's perspective 
of how we should see persecution. So we're going to go to First Peter chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 12 through 19 in the English Standard Version. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God's rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or a melder. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is sacredly saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Okay, very good. So when I reflected over this passage that Daniel just read, Peter had me thinking when he said, Rejoice in so far as you share Christ's suffering. That you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So that made me think that part of being persecuted as a believer is experiencing the stage of suffering personally or outwardly. In verse 10 of Matthew chapter 5, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. So when you think about it, Jesus was indeed persecuted. Best example that you could ever think of. And if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21, it tells us something important. This is what it tells us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the the ministry of reconciliation that is in christ god was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation therefore we are ambassadors for christ god making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of christ be reconciled to god for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah, so what Jesus does is he places his righteousness on us. And the key word in the passage that Daniel just read in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 21, is he says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might. So it's a choice, right? It's a choice to declare that Jesus Christ will be Lord of your life. It's a choice to pick up your cross and follow him. It's a choice to embrace the moral compass that comes along with being a follower of Christ. It's a choice, right? You have that ability to make it. You're not forced to make it. You're not obligated to make it. 
It's a suggestion and it's an opportunity, it's an invitation. Okay? So what does that mean when it says Jesus has done what Jesus has done is he placed his righteousness on us? Well, our relationship with Jesus Christ is by guilty guilty of association. Right? We conduct ourselves or we're supposed to conduct ourselves in an upright manner and with moral standards that reflect our relationship with Jesus Christ. As representatives to the kingdom of God and all that we do, the goal is to strive to mirror the standard of Jesus' way. Now, it's because of Jesus Christ, we are morally justified in the eyes of God, which means that because of Christ's blood, his sacrifice, right? I've spoken about this in the book of 1 John, that the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. That relationship that, that we have allows us to pray, and therefore, because of Christ, our sin is wiped away when we ask and we pray and repent and we ask for forgiveness. Okay? And God no longer sees us the same that he once did because of Jesus Christ. Again, we are protected by the blood. If you're looking for more details, go to First John. It's only five chapters. Now, this is what I had to understand, and I think it's important that I shared it. Jesus was hated, and because of he was hated, he was hated based upon what he stood for. And he warns us when he said this in the Gospel of John, and I want us to go to it. Gospel of John, chapter 15. And we're going to look at verses 18 through 27 in NLT. NLT. So listen up, please. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world will love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out the world, so I hate you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they will listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They will not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they will not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did. Yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. Because I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. So this is, again is Jesus talking to the disciples. And this is also because we are disciples of Christ, followers of Christ. This also can mean that he's talking to us, to future disciples of Christ. So, because we have Jesus' righteousness on us, the world's going to hate us, which is a form of persecution, and therefore we are blessed. However, that comes with suffering. 
for what is right under various different circumstances. So when Paul said in Romans chapter 5 verse 3 through 5, he said this. Rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. So we need to know and remember that part of that part of this process of being persecuted and part of this process of suffering comes at the hand of being blessed by God but also being hated by the world because the world and some people that are in it don't belong to God its ways its actions its motives its opportunities are not aligned and because God has chosen us, we are not aligned. And therefore, that's why you always hear me say that we are in the world, but not of the world. So the whole goal is, is that we should maneuver in the world and not allow the world's behaviors and actions to conform us, right? That's why Romans 12, 2 says, not, let us not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So the whole goal as to why we're here is so that the world has hope. And this is something I mentioned last week. We are light and salt of the world. We preserve it. We give it hope. Our standard, because our standard is in relation to God, is provided an opportunity, an alternative to what the world desires and wants. And we're here to present that. That's why Jesus says, I pray that you don't take them out of the world, but that you pray them while they're in it. That's what we're here to do. When I think about it, this gave me better understanding of Philippians chapter 3. We're going to go Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 through 11. And we're going to look at, this, look at this in the Amplified version. And I want you to listen carefully to what Daniel says here. And this, so that I may know him. Experiential interest. Becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him. Understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely. And in that same way, experience the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in believers. And that I may share the fellowship of his sufferings by continually confirm inwardly into his likeness, even to his death, dying as he did, so that I may attain to the resurrection that will raise me from the dead. So, great job, Daniel. We can begin to know Jesus Christ through what we go through by experiencing persecution. Obviously, in a different way, in how Jesus was persecuted, but a lot more similarities in regards to the verbal abuse that we may receive. And part of that is the fact that we're blessed by him at the same time because we place our faith in him, which helps us through it. So when you think about trials and tribulations that you face in this life, what allows you to persevere through those moments? 
is how far you've developed your relationship with God. The truth of the matter is your relationship with God needs to be solid so that when you engage with people, when you engage with circumstances and situations, we are prepared and equipped with the word of truth. And therefore, that truth that rests on our conscience and encourages us and motivates us and provides answers to us before the test comes or the challenge comes, we can overcome it. We can be more than conquerors. We can stare at the face of adversity and know that in the end, we will be victorious. These are some of the things that we have to, con we have to contend with and think about. So if I go back to Philippians 3, verse 10 to 11, interesting enough there. So the experientially and being thoroughly acquainted with him in regards to the complete person of Jesus Christ is knowing that, hey, when certain things happen to you, it's just a resemblance, a reoccurrence of it happening or had happened to Jesus Christ. So as you start to compare certain things when you're faced with, the whole goal of studying and reading up and understanding the life of Jesus Christ and how he addressed it so that we can mimic it and we can learn as we read and study his life how we ought to respond in those moments now obviously every situation won't be the exact way however it is a blueprint that's a lot and i think it's important that we pay close attention to it so there's a chapter in the book of acts chapter 7 that i believe that We've spoken about it before, but it encourage you. I encourage you to read up on it because it deals with persecution. And for the sake of time, I won't have Daniel read it all. However, to shed some light on verse 12 in Matthew 5, we need to read this portion of the text. It's very important, actually. So for those who are following along, go to the book of Acts, chapter 7. And Daniel's going to read verses 51 through 53 in the English Standard Version. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Your fathers did, so you do. Which other prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, who you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Yeah, so I asked Daniel to read this passage because Stephen is highlighting something very important. He's talking about the unresponsive heart of the within the person, which was and still is an issue today. It was an issue then, it's an issue today, and that's one of the reasons why Jesus appeared. He came us to show us the way, but he also came us to create a way out. And he came to reshape and bond and change the heart of the person. Without a responsive heart, you have confusion, which leads to aggressive actions and the harming of a person's life or the assassination of that person's character or people's character, rather. As believers, we have to prepare 
ourselves with this type of interaction and behavior from unsettled and troubled individuals that have vengeance on their minds and actually bad intentions that follow suit that now before i want to before we press a little further i want to touch on the character of stephen but i want to touch on it from a historical perspective and this may be of help so that you understand stephen a bit more when you go back and you read Acts 7. Now, Stephen is known as a foreign-born Jew. You might say, what is a foreign-born Jew? A foreign-born Jew refers to anyone who is not a Jewish citizen at birth. Believe it or not, foreign-born and immigrants are actually used interchangeably. Today, even... You know, some may throw something called nationalization, right? Now, nationalization is very much associated with the two terms that I mentioned earlier, a foreign-born individual and an immigrant. Now, the goal is that when you hear me say those things, you have to know that there's a difference. Stephen lived in Jerusalem and joined the church at an early date. He was one of seven deacons appointed by the apostles to care for elderly women, widows, and orphans. Stephen was known as a Hellenized Jew, which is a Jew who spoke Greek and adopted some extended Greek ways of life. Now, Stephen also had a Hellenization point of when he came to Christianity. He embraced something called monotheism. Now, monotheism is the belief that there is only one God. Us as believers today, that's what we stand on. That's what the Christian belief stands on. One God, three distinct persons. Now, here's interesting something. It's something interesting. The Christian belief in one God was completely foreign to Greeks. And I'm pretty much certain that you would know why. But Christians and Jews, unfortunately, historically paid a heavy price for their faithfulness in Jesus Christ and God. There was an emergence of something called dogmaticism, which came soon after. That was a reflection of a doctrines. Again, one that we believe today is something called the Trinity. That is God, and there are three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ is both divine and human. Now, Stephen has strongly opposed the church cult of Judaism and paid price for it, obviously. If you read again Acts 7, you'll see exactly what transpired. And something I mentioned earlier is that a lot of Christians, after the resurrection of Christ, were murdered at the hand of Nero, right? Another historical thing we mentioned. Now, I want to reference and point to some of the things that had happened to Christians. And I know we read this text before, but because of the context and understanding the significance of what persecution looked like in those days and time periods and compared 
to this day and time, which we will get to pretty soon, it's important that we, we're going to review this text. So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 36 through 40. We're going to look at this in the NIV. Daniel? There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. They were all condemned for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us will they be made perfect so that's a beautiful thing because it highlights that their faith in christ was a conviction and that conviction carried them over even to the brink of death the brink of survival and circumstances that are unbearable to most the whole reason why i mentioned jonas yoda versus the state of wisconsin it's because under dire circumstances, under pressure, it takes courage to have faith in God. It takes courage to have that conviction. Once you're threatened with the potential of your life being taken or something happening to you. So I want to finish up by addressing something called cancel culture, which is a new phenomenon today in the heart of the technology age, the technology age in the heart of the technology age there are ways of evil that has spread and has gained reports of persecution persecution has elevated not so much in the physical but in the mental space That mental space can be tapped in into different ways. So those who are deemed to have acted or spoken in unacceptable manners or are actually ostracized, boycotted, or shunned. There are mass withdrawals of support from figures who have made themselves known and unfortunately made a mistake. Forgiveness seems to be distant and punishment appears to be necessary and near by this occurrence on social media platforms such as Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. The damage that comes from this is shame on your last name, on your image, on the promotion that you spread, and that promotion that you spread, some can interpret it to be some kind of hate speech. The truth of the matter is, when we think about how things have changed over the years, this is one of the new ways a person can be persecuted. Now, a theme for the year is actually very intentional because it actually speaks to this. And for those who haven't listened to the theme for the year, I just want to remind you what it is. The preference you're approaching your communication. I'm not saying don't be bold and honest. What I am saying, and I do believe, is that the Gospel of Matthew provides a very 
understandable, intentional answer. And it can be found in chapter 10 of Matthew, verse 16. And this is what it says, Daniel. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Yeah, so some translations say wise instead of shrewd. But of course, we will get to this verse and unpack it soon enough. But the whole goal here is, is that as I've gotten a year older, as time continues to tick, society and its standards continues to fluctuate and change. As believers, we understand the importance of what persecution looks like. We understand the call to action in regards to how we ought to share the gospel. I've mentioned this in quite a few episodes with Luke chapter 9, verse 51 to 56. We also understand that how we, we share the gospel, there has to be an opportunity. And that opportunity, must our, our language must be seasoned with salt, which is godly discernment on how we ought to answer people. And if people ask us, open the door for us to explain the reason for the hope that we have, it's important that we do it gently and respectfully. We don't go looking for a problem. We don't go challenging people. What we do is we live a life worthy of our calling. We live a quiet life and gain the respect of outsiders based upon that quiet life. And then if there are questions asked about the quiet life that we're living, we provide an explanation that's obviously biblically sound and rooted in scripture. That's our compass. That's our standard. That's where our beliefs stand upon. And therefore, that's what I encourage everyone to do. Allow God to help shape the way that you answer people. Allow God to help you respond in a fashion that's not aggressive. And allow God to open up doors for opportunity for you to share things in a respectful way and not an aggressive fashion. So, with that being said, let's end with devotional time. To add on, though, I think... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I like the word shrewd much better than wise. because. A person who's shrewd shows that they are able to assess and understand things quickly and be able to make quick judgments. So, therefore, it allows you to maneuver situations. So, yeah, be as shrewd as the snakes. When you think about snakes and, you know, they're kind of, they don't have any bones or anything. They're formless. So, it allows you to adapt as quickly as possible, but as innocent as doves. So, you're still a pure heart. I, I really like that scripture but um, to continue with devotional time right when it comes to standing up for what you believe in there will be rewards and consequences living for the truth is not easy it will never be easy and in fact 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 verse 10 says for the sake of Christ then I am content with weakness insults hardships persecutions and calamities for when I am weak then I am strong for in weakness God's power is great and this is one of the things I think as a society we really struggle with nowadays is people don't like to appear weak they think getting insulted um, it makes them want to quit facing hardships and challenges 
and persecution in general makes a defeated spirit. But we want you to be able to understand that weakness is not a bad thing. It's actually a strength. Or they say some people's strengths are their, some people's weaknesses take them out of this world, but your weaknesses can also become your greatest strengths. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, also says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. As we wear the righteousness of Christ while being free agents, always be aware that you are being watched. So when you are being watched, remember this prayer. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, give me the strength to stand tall when necessary. Give me the wisdom to discern what I cannot see. And give me the courage to speak true when called upon in Jesus' name. And all in agreement say, Amen. Amen.